Well, you want busy, we'll give you busy. The FOMC and the Bank of England meet this week and five of the Magnificent Seven report earnings as well. Plus, Australian CPI and non-farm payrolls in the United States. That's going to do. And also a bit of a catch-up on last week as well, including US core PCE, which has slipped below 3%. So the US well on track for a relatively painless recovery. The same can't be said for Europe. And as a result, maybe, just maybe, the ECB is changing its tune on when it's going to cut rates. We maybe won't have to wait till June. It's Monday, the 29th of January, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar down a little on Friday and ever so slightly up on the week, but not massive movements in currencies. The same for the Aussie. It was down last week, but only by a third of 1%. So the losses this year so far have flattened out a bit, particularly in the second half of last week. And a similar story for equities in the US down a little on Friday. The S&P only just in the red on Friday, but 1.2% up over the week. The Nasdaq down a third of 1% on Friday, but up 0.9% over the week. And at home, the ASX 200 doing somewhat better. It's up half a percent on Thursday closed on Friday, of course. Did you miss us on Friday? But we're back now. Uh, the ASX 200 at 1.8% over a shortened week last week. And Asian equities doing very well. Uh, and the same for Europe, including the UK. So the Eurostox 50 climbed 1.2% on Friday, 4.2% over the week. So big, big differences in how equity markets played out last week. So what about bonds? Well, pretty quiet, really. 10-year treasuries moved up a few basis points last week to 4.14%, whilst two years saw a five basis point rise just on Friday, albeit uh, a week that had seen weaker yields overall. And oil is heading back up. WTI is over $78 a barrel now. Brent rose 1.4% on Friday to 83.50. It did get to 83.81, so the highest this year so far. So let's catch up on what's happening. Here's NAB's Rodrigo Catrill. Uh, first of all, Rodrigo, lots of news from the States on Friday. So we had Q4 GDP, Q on Q, 3.3%. It was expected to be what uh, two point about two percent, wasn't it? After four point nine percent growth the previous quarter, so the the U.S. economy, I mean, it's not gangbusters is a bit of a grand word, isn't it? But it's certainly doing a bit bit more than expected. Uh, morning, Phil. Yeah. So that the GDP report came out on Thursday night. So. Um, uh, certainly, uh, very uh, way way stronger than expected. That's a it's a significant sort of outperformance relative to expectations, and and it really the details were also very interesting because you had uh, growth drivers, if you like, coming from everywhere, but in particular the consumer uh, pre buoyant, uh, and in fact the data for December, which is the inflation and and spending data, the PCE data. Confirm that that um, so we have this scenario where inflation is coming down, heading towards target quite nicely in the U.S., uh, and yet the consumer and activity is still pretty buoyant. And uh, you know, like Tapas likes to remind us, you know, trend growth in the U.S. is around 1.8. So uh, the U.S. economy is growing above trend, uh, and yet we it's not overheating. Um, and, and that's that's an interesting yeah. debate as well in terms of what to expect from central bank. Yeah, it is an interesting point, isn't it? So personal spending in December was up 0.7%, even though income was up 0.3%. So yes, and savings rate declined by 3.7% as well. Yeah. So, so people are dipping into the savings, Yes, and, which, is, and it, which is perhaps a good thing. Well, it also raises that question about how sustainable this spending trend can be because, um, you know, you can run out of savings. <laughs> so yeah, so, so sure. that that's one kind of caveat in terms of how strong But there it's was been. quite a bit of it, though, wasn't there? You know, so it, maybe it's going to balance itself out. Yes. And, and um, obviously, the, the data also just, is just one point in the data. We've got to remember that 
uh, wages growth are still um, trending at a respectable level. And in fact, we're going to get some of that that, that data this week in, in terms of the ECI. So um, th- those will be sort of important details and, and discussions uh, ahead of the FOMC meeting as well. And not just this meeting, but the March meeting as well. And yet, you know, the, the mixed data, because jobless claims uh, were a little bit more than expected. But, you know, we've had a few surprises the other way, so maybe that evens itself out. So perhaps that's uh, not too important, but less chance of inflationary pressures if more people are finding themselves out of work. But more significantly, durable goods orders, no growth at all in December. 1.1% was expected. 5.5% was the revised figure for November. So that looks like a bit of a slowdown. The Kansas Fed Manufacturing Index fell from minus 4 to minus 17. So... Maybe things are slowing a bit. Well, in the manufacturing sector, anyway. Yes, certainly that that is the case, and you know we we're going to have the ISM manufacturing this week, um, and the regional uh, indicators, the regional surveys, are suggesting uh, that we should expect a, a bit of a slowdown there. Um, but again, it's just the manufacturing sector for one uh, and two. Um, Still, there, it remains the case that from a relative basis, the, the U.S. economy is actually performing way better than others. Um, and, and that's also an important uh, point to make because in terms of how currencies behave and in terms of how yields uh, behave, those relativities that do, do uh, uh, have a factor to play. So from all of this evidence pointing you know, generally in a positive direction, uh, how does the FOMC respond to this? Uh, do they give any indication of when they're going to cut rates? Obviously, you know, they meet this week, but no one's expecting they're going to do too much this week. But maybe they'll say something about it. Will they keep on with that? Well, we don't have to rush things because why do we need to? Because the economy is going so well. Or do they say, well, you know, weakness in the manufacturing sector, maybe we we need to. Interestingly, mortgage rates. So, you know, how banks are reading the situation, 30-year mortgage rates have gone back up. They've gone from 6.6% back to 6.69% last week. So a bit of a sudden change in direction. Yeah, and consistent with the sort of change or um, movements, you know, it's worth highlighting that we had that decline in in expectations for for rate cuts um, uh, in March. Um, uh, I think it went down into 30%, uh, but now it's back up to close to 50% um, because of that, because, you know, the, the, the activity in the data um, is it's been good, but we've seen inflation or confirmation that inflation is declining and, and, and uh, you know heading towards target. So um, I think that the debate is there in terms of not only when the Fed is going to start cutting, but if the if the economy is performing as well as um, you know it was in Q4, um, then there's an argument there to say, well, sure, cuts are coming, but not at the pace that the market is expecting. Uh, it would allow the Fed to start an easing cycle. Um, and I think it, Waller was the one that talked about that. They said, yeah, don't expect rate cuts to be at the same pace as before or as recent history. You could still have an easing cycle that is a very, very slow easing cycle um, given how buoyant the economy is. Um, and then the other debate, which Tapas also reminded us, maybe there's an argument here to suggest, well, maybe neutral level in the US is not as low as you think. Uh, and maybe you know the economy can perform at a higher growth rate without overheating. Um, so, so there's a f- few debates there, but uh, uh, overall, I-, I would lean towards this idea that there's a risk here that uh, rate cuts will not be as quickly 
Uh, they may come as soon as expected, but they may not be as quickly uh, as they, uh, the market is expecting at the moment. Well, let's wait till everyone's burnt through their savings before we uh, before we jump <laughs> to that conclusion, perhaps. Look, this is a very different story, obviously, in Europe. I don't know how many times we've talked about this, but I mean, it just the evidence is always there. So the ECB has met since our last podcast. I mean, they didn't give anything away, did they, about when they might cut, even though the markets are priced in as though they will and maybe as soon as April, and we've seen all their speakers involved in, you know, operation pushback, you know, trying to tell the markets that it's not going to be till later in the year. But am I sensing now from the minutes and from some of the observations made by ECB speakers that maybe they are open to something a bit sooner, perhaps? Yeah, so I think that on Thursday when ECB Lagarde, the president, spoke, um, one of the takeaways there was that she wasn't as you know, adamant that there was no rate cuts until the summer. Um, she didn't, and she didn't kind of push back in terms of market pricing when she was asked about it. So, and then what, is, what has happened since, particularly over the weekend, is that we've now had ECB Villeroy, which has been more outspoken about the idea that, you know, every meeting is live, that, uh, you know, we could see actually rate cuts coming sooner than expected. Um, uh, whilst others, like uh, ECB not still kind of saying, no, nope, um, we've got to wait for, um, for the, the wages data um, uh, from the um, accounts, uh, and that, that's basically in April. So it doesn't mean that you, you're going to have to have, uh, uh, or you could think about rate cuts as soon as, um, or before the summer. So that, but what is interesting, and this is what Gavin was telling telling us, is that you're now starting to see that debate, and, and ultimately the data will determine that. And, and this week, of course, we're going to have not only the GDP data coming from the Eurozone, but also the inflation data. And if inflation starts declining sooner than expected, while the economy is weakening, then, you know, uh, the, the ECB will have that, that conversation and, and we could expect... Well, we know bank borrowing is way down. I mean, our corporate bond issuance was down last year as well. So, I mean, there's not a lot of, you know, positive growth stories. Is there? And then we had the, the German IFO business climate climate read uh, at tail end of last week as well, from 86.3 in December to 85.2 in January, which is lower than any read we saw in 2023. That was uh, down for both the, the read on the current situation and expectations. So basically, businesses are saying, well, it's worse than we thought, and it's not going to get us back, back to, you know, being better as quickly as we might have hoped. So on both, yeah. you know, so, so German business is doing really badly. And then German consumer confidence down to minus 29.7, which, uh, you know, is uh, quite a bit down, quite a bit worse than the UK consumer confidence as well, which is minus 19, which is a bit better than minus 21 expected. So in all camps, Germany just doesn't have a good news story, does it? No, and that is the growth engine for, of Europe as well. So, mm. But, um, you know, the one point to make on all of that is that the ECB is an inflation targeting bank. Um, and whilst the economy and the, you know, the well-being of Europeans is, is an important consideration, the priority is to make sure um, that you, you see inflation coming down. And, and that's why many of them are saying, well, if you think wages growth is a, is a core driver of, or rather a big driver of core inflation, um, then you need to have more evidence of a decline in wages. And at the moment, we're not seeing that yet, and particularly in Germany as well. So um, that, that, that's where the debate lies, and, and that's where the data, which we will get some data along the, along the way, we don't have to wait all the way till April in terms of wages uh, to see whether we see an ease in those inflationary pressures. And if that's the case, then, um, you know, the, the debates, uh, or, you know, we should expect it to be records coming sooner. So what's the, uh, the Bank of England going to say this week? Are they just going to go, well, we don't really know. We're just going to wait and see. Well, I suppose the one consideration here is that the Bank of England has retained a tightening bias so far. 
Um, and the question is whether that message will remain the case. We Obviously, we don't expect any changes, but uh, whether that message will still be there. Um, and I suspect that given, you know, this the whole debate about the, the, um, the reliability or how accurate, uh, particularly the labor data is and the wages data is, um, which again, cloud is or makes the whole issue a little bit more difficult. Um, but my sense is that for now, the, the Bank of England will retain that tightening bias, uh, given that we still don't have clarity in terms of uh, an ease in those inflationary pressures. Now, last week as well, we talked about, you know, the Bank of Japan, perhaps now at least considering rate hikes. Uh, we got the minutes out on Friday and then out comes Tokyo CPI numbers at the end of last week, showing the core CPI year on year was down to 1.6% in January, down from 2.1%. So quite a downside surprise. So rate cuts, really? Do they need to? Well, that's right. And uh, also in terms of the details, um, what is interesting is that, you know, there's been this sort of global dynamic where we've seen goods inflation declining or disinflation, um, but yet they've seen that stickiness in services. And, and the details in the Tokyo report show a decline in services inflation. So again, in terms of the whole argument from uh, the Bank of Japan is that you want to see this cycle of, you know, wages, and increasing prices, which we've not yet seen. So wages are not rising as quickly as, as, as the bank ho- hoped. And at the same time, we've seen that inflation drivers, uh, which usually come from the services side, are actually not, not rising uh, as quickly as expected either. So um, it sort of makes that argument to say, well, actually, you don't need to even talk about rate cuts for now. We, we need to see a little bit more of these domestic drivers of inflation. And at the moment, they're not going in the right direction. So certainly um, it delays any prospects of an imminent uh, um, rate hike fire by the Bank of Japan, uh, but it also does pose some questions in terms of whether April will be soon, soon enough. Our sense is that the bank will still be very cautious um, and, and we see the risk that uh, any any talk of any any tweak to policy is probably a story for June rather than April. Right. So hellishly busy week this week, isn't it? So as well as the FRMC and the Bank of England, uh, we get Australian inflation, China's PMIs, Europe's GDP. We get the payrolls numbers at the end of the week. And five of the Magnificent Seven are going to be reporting their earnings this week as well. A heck of a lot going on. Yeah, lots of going on. Uh, a quiet start, though. Not, nothing really in terms of market moving uh, on Monday. We do have trades data coming from New Zealand and, and one of the services uh, from, from the US in terms of manufacturing services. So overall, um, it, it, it makes for, for an interesting debate. And domestically, uh, of course, we got to remember that our sense is that uh, inflation data uh, for Q4 will be quite subdued. So it's not going to be the trigger, if you like, for uh, uh, any 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 action from the RBA on uh, early February? Well, the NAB forecasts quite a bit below the RBA's expectations, isn't it? Yes, that's quite right. So if we think about the year-on-year number, um, um, our economists are thinking 4.2 year-on-year uh, for um, the trim mean, uh, and the RBA had four and a half. Um, the one caveat here is that we've got to remember when you look at the details, um, uh, rent subsidies have played quite a factor into all of this. Um, and uh, t- uh, Taylor in particular has talked about the risk that whilst you see a subdued Q4 number, um, there will be a little bit of payback in Q1. So we, we could see a, a bit of a, a rise again in terms of those inflation readings as well. All right. Well, very good. Well, we'll catch you very soon, Rodrigo. Thanks for coming on this morning. Thanks for getting up early. We'll see you again soon. <laughs> Cheers, Phil. And these NAB guys do get up very early, I have to say. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>